Lucas Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. HGA is revolutionizing the industry by implementing software that will allow them to scan, analyze, and grade cards without subjectivity. This allows for consistent and unbiased grading. They have an easy submission process and best-in-class customer service. Their pricing model is simple. Pay by the day, not by the value of the card. And when they say 10 business days, they mean 10 business days. Honestly, guys, so, you know, Lou and I work together. So I was thinking, you know, what's the right way to come on here and uh, kick off an episode? First off, if, if any of like the background talk that Lou and Cage basically had for the last five minutes about Disneyland, <laughs> Toy Story, their childhood, I think this is going to be an awesome episode. I think it's going to be really light. I think it's going to be really light, a lot of jokes, a lot of banter. Mm -hmm. um, That's what you think. Let's go. Why F1? Yep. Why F1? Why? Why? Come on now. Let's go. Yeah, the, listen, I'm ready. Why F1? I, Let's go. I Jump know how you. It. Let's go. Let's I know how you move. go. You guys have been <laughs> you guys have been talking smack about F1. You make jokes about <laughs> all the stuff that we talk about on Car Talk. I got it. I know what we're doing <laughs> we, here. We got we love Lou. And and I don't mean to totally steal the uh the, the the intro but andrew why don't you you know give two minutes about you and you and lou's relationship and how you you know whenever i say hey let's 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 talk about card talk let's you know let's say something bad about those guys andrew mm -hmm. has to be like no never say anything bad about those guys they're the best guys on the salt right. of the earth except except for that lou character right you, right right you well you sneak you sneak in now. the shots regardless i've heard <laughs> i do i do I, I and you know what sometimes I, sh I give shots to myself sometimes tequila mm -hmm. You know, like boom. You know, take some yeah, shots. Yeah. You know, that's how it works. So I will F1. say this. Yeah, yeah, I, hold on. on, let me let me do let me two minutes on Andrew Please. real quick. Andrew was at Vayner for a while. I got introduced to one of my favorite humans of all time through Andrew. Do you know who it is, Goldberg? Coach HP. That's correct. One of my favorite people on planet mm -hmm. Earth. He's done wow. amazing things with my brother. He came to the office one day with Andrew. Um, and we got connected through there and we've been talking period. I haven't talked to him in a little bit, but we talked periodically. Um, and he helped out my brother a ton. So I'm thankful to Andrew for that forever. So, that was not Coach where I thought you were going. I'm positive. Andrew told me another I, story. You told me another story about this oh, girl. Tell he, me. In, he was dating right. this girl and you right. know, he introduced her to you. And the next thing you know, he, she didn't want anything to do with him anymore. Excuse me. It was all over Lou. Absolutely not. I have, I have a wonderful girlfriend. Was How that John Raider that I was telling you about? <laughs> was, yep. No. That was Raider. Um, <laughs> No, Coach HP's good people, man. He flew in, I think, from Boston that day. I don't know uh -huh. if you met Preston Amato was like his videographer. Yeah, Preston's a good dude too. Um, but yeah, and I think that's maybe that's a good way to kick it off. Uh, we'll talk about F1. I always like to contextualize these episodes. So this was a 10 for 10 series. These guys are laughing at me. Uh, this is a 10 <laughs> for 10 series where we wanted to talk to people of all walks of life after the national, right? And Lou and I, we got a chance to connect. We were saw Lou made a record deal. There was some, there's a lot of stuff on vlogs going on and we'll talk about that. But I think what you just brought up about like we coach HP, it's a small world, man. And I think Extremely. it's a small hobby. We really all know each other. And I think with this month of August, all the chaos, all the interesting news, fanatics, PWCC, all that stuff, which we'll talk about. I want to hear your take on it. Guys, remember the hobby's small. Don't burn bridges, build for the long term, and realize we're going to be around. I mean, Fanatics is, I mean, I saw today they had a post. They're, they're expecting this to be a $97 billion industry huh. by 2027. So just put that in perspective if we're a $10 to $15 billion industry. There's my two-minute spiel cage. 
That's all can the I, seriousness I have for the episode. Can I do 30 seconds? Because I don't usually get to do serious, right? I don't get to do serious at all. Um, I, I am where I am today in this hobby, um, on this podcast, you name it, in large part thanks to the guests we have on today. Oh, that's so aggressive. Big, a big thank you to Lou. Lou, okay. you put the group together. You put the IG sure. group together. You were, you were the guy who was the guy behind the guy behind the guy, but literally the guy <laughs> Who put you know this this ragtag group of thirty weirdos together? I, I don't know how I fit in. Everybody else was like a twenty two year old entrepreneur. I just happened <laughs> to be grading. Uh, I just happened to be grading a lot of cards with PSA at the time, and they happened to be cards Gary might have wanted. So it's like, yeah, you add this dude to the group, and I mean, talk about getting exposed to just a different thought process, a different group of 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 people doing it a different way. I mean, I'm forty something years old. You know, college debt still, law school debt, you know, just basically, you know, working my way up to middle management and I'm exposed to, thanks to Lou and Gary putting this group together, you know, people who are making businesses out of the hobby, people who are, you know, who are, um, you know, what's all slam stocks, mealy pops, you know, you guys creating your podcast, mm-hmm. um, you know, rips. I'm going to forget a million people, Rips, who rips. on the show Sasha you know, on. times, I mean, like, you know, Sasha's in the group, you know, so, I mean, I would not. I mean, I had never listened to a podcast before the week we all started talking about let's do podcasts. You know, I had never even heard a podcast. You know what it was? Andrew had to explain to me what it was. So you know, in the in the two years or so since I met Lou and Lou had me in Gary's office selling cards, sitting down in a cool little like you know couch video room. I mean, this is just crazy office. They're tough negotiators, right? They they look like oh, these man. nice guys, but the- yeah, oh, Lou is a, he Lou's a beast. He really is. Oh yeah, every dollar, but. No, but seriously, I mean, we take we 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 have our fun. Um, you know, I give you shots about F one. We're in an F one group. I, you know, I try to try to pretend like I know a little bit about F one. But in, in all seriousness, a big thank you to you, to Gary, to the crew. You know, for including this old man in that group and again, you know, exposing me to uh, you know to a uh, like a different mindset. And it really has expanded my involvement in the hobby tremendously. So seriously, you know, you don't get serious from me too often. Big thank you. Totally. Um, I will not allow you to give me credit for that group because if Gary sees me taking credit for that group, I'll get <laughs> torn to shreds. So I absolutely will not take any credit. I am just the executioner. We have a, actually side story. <laughs> we have a couple group chats uh, with different stuff and I get thrown into them just because that's how that works with Gary. And it's become this thing now where if someone's going to get thrown out of the group, all in good oh, yeah, fun, they get thrown the out, they come back in, blah, blah, blah. I'm the guy who comes in with the the... What's that dude like the dot like the the death guy with the big ass scythe? That's me. The that gift comes in. The that's what it is. The Grim Reaper. I come in as a Grim Reaper, remove people, so I'm the executioner. Um, but I also wanted to say about the group real quick. It is kind of crazy that there's been like four or five like serious things spun out of that, and then there's like DJ is crushing it. He's been Definitely. crushing it for like a year plus already. There's a ton of guys in there. Dan's in there doing like it's 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 awesome. Like it's actually been kind of weird how many people have spun up out of that and created real businesses slab was on his way already, but like, it's crazy. Yeah. Ryan, Gary, Gary talks about that too, right? Like audit who your friend group is. Sure. I, I think that is a big part of it because as much as we, maybe some people have different levels of experience in the hobby, we all kind of feed off of each other, right? Some people know vintage better. Some people know basketball. Uh, so it, it really is amazing. And it's cool to see where everyone will be two, three, five years down the road. Yeah. I got to ask you, man. So you were at National, obviously buzzing. Everyone had a great time. Here we are a month later, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff has happened. Just like macro, big picture. What's Lou thinking about? Like, wh- what do you see in the hobby? 
any thoughts, opinions, takes, anything like that? That was a heck of a sigh. I can't wait to hear this answer. Uh, yeah, well, it's <laughs> it's actually crazy because there was so much buildup to the show, and I was there, and obviously it was incredible and all that good stuff. And I, my anticipation, and I was wrong about this, my anticipation was coming out of that, I'd have a sh- much stronger feel for where things are, where things are going, et cetera, et cetera. I think I still have a generally good feel for that, but coming out of that, there's been an insane amount of changes. The ones you mentioned, Andrew, with Fanatics and – uh, I mean, Fanatics is obviously the biggest one with the news today that they're possibly doing grading as well as part of their business. So it just feels like coming out of that, there's so many things changing. Um, and, you know, it's just part of what we do every day is just embrace the change and figure out what's going to happen. So um, I try to talk to as many people as I could while I was there. I've actually made a couple of good relationships coming out of that where I talk to people every single day, which is awesome too. And the most important part, to be honest. Um, so coming out of the show, I feel really great. I think you know, I sold pretty well, so that was great. Um, <laughs> I, I obviously bought that that pretty big Lewis car with Sasha that I'm excited about. Um, and I did walk away from it feeling better than ever about the altern- like alternative sports. Um, I know some person, one person on this podcast is not a big fan of the alternative sports, but I just think there's so much room for growth in those. Um, and I will also say, I know, I know you guys have a sponsor for grading on the show. I do think that coming out of it, I was surprised by how positive I felt about SGC coming out of it. Um, they were, they were one of the original people, much like cage. They were one of the original people and groups that spoke with me and Gary and spoke with us. And like, we got to work with them a little bit. We submitted with them, all of that stuff. Um, and I kind of thought that they wouldn't be able to sustain. They wouldn't be able to grow just because I was stupid. And I was like, Oh, PSA is the best of all time and nothing's ever going to beat it. And blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was wrong about that. I actually am submitting to SGC. Um, and I think there's a strong future there. And that made me feel good about the overall growth of the hobby because it is like HGA uh, and CSG, these new grading companies that are popping out. And it was kind of a joke. Like every week there was a new grading company coming out. There's some people forming real businesses and really filling a need uh, in cards. So it was exciting. I remember the 19 National Gary came out of that, a fan of SGC. I remember mm-hmm. that. I remember he came back. He was tweeting about him a lot. He was, you know, he was definitely talking about that a lot. Um, and let me say this again. I mean, it's an interesting little podcast fun. Um, alternate sports, wrestling, you know, the golf, the tennis, the whole deal. I have a new, an F1, I have a new, I don't call it appreciation, but a new outlook on them, right? I'm mm-hmm. never going to buy into those, but I probably should not be so vehemently opposed to people chasing alpha on those because it's not that I've, I've warmed to F1 per se. It's just that, what I've seen over the last year is that there are a myriad of ways to make money in this, right? And make- if you're not ready to pivot, right? You know, if you're not ready to pivot into something that's that, and then be first in it, you know, be early in it, um, and recognize that there's a trend, even if it's a trend that I personally don't believe in. Um, I mean, think of all the think of all the flack I got for Top Shot, right? But you get into sure. my Top Shot at the right time, and now it's pumping up again. I'm not I'm not really back in it. Um, think about NFTs. You know, there are a lot of people out there who you say the word NFT, the letter is NFT, and they're like, all right, turning this one off. Right. right. So, so, and I've learned that, you know, in, in hearing people push back when I'm like, oh, let's talk about NFTs. Let's talk about, you know, top shows, talk about this stuff. And people are like, no, no, no way. That's kind of what I was doing, being a little closed minded to some of these other. I mean, we watch, you talk about DJ. We watch DJs made, made a killing in, in tennis, in, yep. you know, just flipping these things. Right. So, you know, if there's, if there's a market for it, this is what I've learned. There's a market for it. Have at it. 
if you can research it enough where you can get an advantage on it, you can learn, yeah. you could be ahead of the curve on that stuff, whether it's tennis, whether it's figure skating, Olympics, whatever it's going to be, go for it. 100%. This is, I'm three things in response to that, and I won't go too long. I apologize. I'm long winded. But on the being hard headed, I'm exactly like you in that way. I'm way too hard headed. I have this weird thing where like I could see a whole bunch of different things. And I'm like, oh, that'll probably work. But I'm like, I'm not doing that, even if it's going to work in the beginning, because like, I don't want to be the one stuck. Right. Um, I would honestly say, I think the thing that like switched it for me was F1 because it was something I was not watching at all. I had zero awareness, could not have been less aware of F1 as a sport. Didn't know any of the drivers, didn't know who anybody was, anything like that. Um, And I happened to watch the Netflix show and I got into it. Um, And it's kind of snowballed from there. But I think my larger point is just because it's not necessarily for me doesn't mean that number one, I can't make money in it. Cause if we're talking strictly from a, ma- a money-making perspective, that doesn't mean I can't make money in it. And number two, as cards grow in general, it makes sense that other sports would grow with it that aren't necessarily baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. Um, because they could be gr- like, if those sports grow and cards grow, I mean, obviously like it just makes sense that it goes with it. So, you know what turned it for me, Lou, it's funny, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing, right? So F1 specifically, um, my 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 son was in uh, virtual school all year, and it turned out that one of the kids in his class lived three doors down. This little girl, mm-hmm. um, and the two of them would see each other every day, and then go okay. outside and play, and the whole deal. So maybe two months ago, I mean, okay. sort of when, when you started to see me uh, ramp up the talk of F one, and you know, hey, I knew some of the drivers, and hey, you know, I'm watching some movies, right? So we're down the block, and and uh, my son, my daughter. And this little girl and her older brother, they're playing, you know, they're running around like crazy. And you can see my, my son kind of pushes ahead of this girl's older brother and like, you know, takes an inside turn and okay. kind of like elbows him a little bit to run to beat this race. Right. And the kid says to him, are you cheating in the race? What are you, Lewis Hamilton? And this kid's in like fifth grade. Oh, right? wow. And I'm like, wait a second. What did you just say? And the kid says, yeah, Lewis Hamilton and the Mercedes team, they're always cheating. They, 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 you know, they're horrible, man. For like so a hater. Better than them. And I'm like, I said, what the hell? I, I'm like, all right, maybe I'm wrong about this F1 stuff. If the kids are talking about this and I didn't know what he was talking about. Lewis Hamilton's always cheating to win. He always right, wins right, right. cheats. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, all right, maybe, maybe this is a little bigger than I thought. My neighbors are watching F1. The kids are watching right. this stuff. And I'm like, all right. right. Let's, let's, let, let's maybe give this a, a little second look. So yeah, that, it was just, it was a funny thing. That's very, very funny. And that kid is... Um, a hater is all I'll say in response <laughs> well, to that. Very Italian, and you know, oh, so he's a Ferrari kid. Cars all the time. It's a Ferrari. The dad's got Ferrari right, right, right. So that makes sense the then why they're so into it. That so, makes sense. How do you guys know if if something has sticking power? Right. So I saw a chart the other day. It was uh, the Net Pro cards, Serena Williams specifically, and it had this chart that it went up like to three thousand dollars was its peak price, and then it just faded off. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think a lot of criticism. Right. We kind of blend everything into one bucket. But it's not like the sport that people criticize. It's, hey, guys, be careful jumping onto this trend because you could be left holding the bag, right? Bag is kind of a popular term now. How do you how do you know if something's going to have staying power? I think we just had a great example when the kids are into it, for sure. But I'm curious, like, how do you audit if something like that is going to be like that Eiffel Tower chart or is going to be a steady progression over time? I'd like to hear from Cage because he's been around longer than me and I have my sure, thoughts as well. It- 
Easy answer. Um, I'm going to go right back to our episode with Chris Hodge and Josh and the card ladder guys and the chart that they gave. One of the difficult parts of these old sports is when they catch fire, they catch fire. But it's not unique to the old sports, not unique to F1. It's not unique to tennis and that's arena card, right? It's the same thing as when people start doing price discovery on cards that have been there all along. Take the Michael Jordan, take the LeBron James, take the Kobe, where the chart went exactly what you just did with the with the Serena Williams. It went like this, and then all of a sudden, everybody wants it, right? So right now, F1 was here, and then, ooh, boom, everyone wants it. It goes like this, right? But what happens with these old sports, with the Serena card, with the Michael Jordan, with that LeBron, with, is it starts to go like this. Now, you got the, the, Sabrina one, the Serena Williams one, but what happens is, is it hasn't started yet, but after it crests, right, it will start going like this. And if you if you pan out on the chart, you'll see that red median line is just going like this the whole way. Sure, there's this big spike and there's this drop, but if you were to just ride it out and not go crazy with the extremes, you'll notice that, that Serena Williams will do this, the LeBron will do this, the, the F1 cards are going to wind up doing this. The difficult part, and, and we, we, we have this conversation when we talk about influencers, right, is that there are going to be people now, instead of it doing one of these, there are going to be people who are buying it on the this. And they're going to be the vocal people when it's back down here or on its way down saying, this was a pump and dump, this was bullshit, this was garbage, blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't think there's a way to really avoid that, right? Because this is just what happens. You know, you've, you've seen that euphoria curve, you know, the, the, the whole deal where it's like, okay, the cycle, the cycle of investments, right? It's the same with this stuff, and it's the same with this arena card and the F1 and all that other fun stuff. I mean, I wish we could just convince everybody, don't go nuts, let's all ride the same curve together, but it's just yeah. not the way life works, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, in a world of the internet, and it happens with everything on the internet, once someone who is popular starts talking about it, it brings mass amounts of awareness. It's it's the value of an influencer. It's literally, they bring mass amounts of awareness to something, and people jump in because A, FOMO is one of the biggest drivers of anything that happens in the world right now, and probably always has been, and unfortunately, it's unavoidable, like you're saying. I, I think in terms of like indicators that I look for, I'm not the best at indicators. I feel like I just generally feel like I can just feel like you can kind of feel it, right? Like, you know, what I'm talking about cage, right? You can kind of see it like, oh, interesting. Like, this is a top 10. I'm going to keep going back to the, Netflix, to the F1 thing because it's the one that's top of mind right now. But I'm like, huh, this is a top 10 show on Netflix. Weird. All right, I'm going to watch a show. Oh, it's pretty interesting. Oh, wait, Lewis Hamilton has 23 million followers on Instagram. This is weird. And then I'm clicking around. I'm messing around. I'm like, oh, this is a very limited thing. Why is this so limited? There's only tops now interesting so you start poking around and then you wait and see I bought, like i was aware of f1 i didn't buy any of it because i wasn't sure how to feel about it same way as anyone else i wasn't sure i'm like this isn't that big in the u.s i've never really watched this before i can't really rationalize 500 dollars for a lewis hamilton tops now psa 10 right um when it was that when i was originally looking um and then the top set comes out and it brings a little intrigue the f1 the the netflix show sustains and stays popular for an extended period of time. I think COVID played a big role in that as well. Another piece of this whole puzzle is that with the COVID situation that happened, it was one of the only sports that was on every week. And it was the only thing that was on ESPN or whatever channel it is in whatever country you may be in. And then it comes back around this year and it's like, wait, the viewership is growing week over week. They're doing several hundred thousand viewers every single week. That's more than a baseball game on Fox and people love baseball. That's interesting. And then now I'm looking at the Sapphire set. I'm like, wait, you're telling me Lewis Hamilton Sapphires are only $300, huh? Snag. Like, and then it just starts rolling. It starts rolling. And of course, with any, and the, where it gets difficult is to me, at least, is because I'm the king of falling into the, the pit of the FOMO is like, 
all right, these prices are running up crazy. George Russell was ten dollars, and now he's a hundred. What's going on here? And now I'm trying to I'm trying to make the right play because I do like George Russell, and I'm like, huh, that guy's going to go to Mercedes. Everyone has the same information, so they also know he's going to Mercedes, and the prices are going up. And you kind of just got to find your line. Have, have I stopped buying F1? Yeah, I can't buy the singles anymore because I can't afford them. I can't spend a hundred plus dollars <laughs> on every single single. I just can't do that. So I'm going to submit what I have. I got as much as I could. Um, and I'm going to let it ride. I'm going to hold on to what I have. Uh, obviously, I'm very, 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 very excited because I don't spend tens of thousands of dollars on cards. I don't do that. And I did it with the Lewis. It's one of two cards I own that I have spent over $10,000 on. So like... To just really quickly contextualize that. So as you're talking, Lou, I went to look up Ja and Zion, their Instagram following. And what was the number? How many followers did uh, original? When I first looked, it was like twenty-two. I don't know where he is now. You guys want to take a guess how many? I mean, Zion and Ja, we invest in them. It's like a no-brainer. You want to guess how many followers they have? I think I know how many Zion has. So I'm going to let Cage guess. Five mil. Yep. Five million total. So it, it, I love that because you look at different indicators, right? Like we all have these different indicators. You look at his popularity, and here we are thinking, you know, Zion's this huge global phenomenon. Everyone knows Zion. He has five million, where Lewis Hamilton is five x his, his fan base. So, so there's something there. You know what I love and, about it? Lou just did. He just gave the fundamentals, like any other investment. It, it, it was the same thing as somebody picking a stock. It was the yeah. guy saying, "Look at the price of the earnings here. Look at the price of the earnings. Look at dividends coming out next month. You got, you know, they got this product that's going to be released." Well, you know, he said with F1 is. Look at how many followers this guy has. Look at the viewership. Look at the Netflix, the top ten documentaries. You know there are there are all of these fundamentals at play here that work. It doesn't always work out that way. It's you know it's great to you know be able to you know other people catch on, other people start pumping it up, and that kind of stuff as well. I mean, I've definitely looked at fundamentals on certain things and be like, this is a winner, and it just doesn't catch on. Sure. You know? So it doesn't it doesn't work every single time. Trust me. But um, it's funny because you know we, we we start to talk about these things like asset classes. And what you did was exactly that. You gave, you know, the same way that Motley Fool or somebody else would give an uh, analysis of a stock and say, you know, here's all the reasons why I invested it, why I felt comfortable doing it. Right. And I've been wrong way more times than I've been right. A prime example. That's actually not true. I have a decent hit rate, but there's also (laughs) so many things that you can do. A classic example, something that I feel like has grown since I bought it. Right. So I'll make money on it if and when I ever sell it was Yu-Gi-Oh. I thought Yu-Gi-Oh was primed to break out primed and just hasn't happened so that might have been my own biases and this is the other thing where cards are interesting is you have a lot of your own biases in cards whether that's sports cards tcgs whatever like i've always said i love pokemon it's like one of my original things the first thing i did after pokemon was play Yu-Gi-Oh. i played Yu-Gi-Oh hard and I thought it was awesome. I love the TV show on Cartoon Network, all that stuff. And I'm like, huh, I would think similar thing is going to happen here with Pokemon where those kids, a, a little bit of a different age group got into that. Those kids are aging up now. They're going to start buying, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. just hasn't happened the same way. So like you're saying, the fundamentals might be there or you get blinded by your own biases and you lose. And that's just kind of part of it. So we'll get into the fanatics thing in a second because I want to hear your take and like what was your first reaction? Because you're kind of in the middle of all that and – there's a ton of stuff there, but you're a big esports guy, and I'm curious like, guys like Bugga, I always pronounce his Buga, name yeah. wrong, FaZe Clan. Do you think those guys are going to have their own cards, or do you think they're going to go NFTs? Both, I think probably both. Like, I, I would think you know how it goes when attention gets on something, that's where everyone wants to go, right? So, like, right now, the energy is put out an NFT, right? 
So I'm sure they will. I have no idea what anyone's planning, but I'm sure they will. Um, and then I do think trading cards are an option for them. Like why wouldn't phase in the, the same way that I'm looking at these Levi's cards and I just came up with my, like why wouldn't phase put a pack of cards in a merch drop that they put out that sells out in two seconds. That's just an added value for people who buy those. And then it, those cards would have value. I would imagine. Right. So like a very similar type thing can happen where I think it's just a matter of at the moment when they decide to do the thing, what are they going to do? Because NFTs cards, merch it's all just collectibles essentially right so it's whatever the hot thing at that moment is i think where they would direct their energy okay i don't know if you know what phase clan is and and these they're they're gamers esports and they get tons like millions of of live streamers at a time so the, they have a huge audience out there Lou. yeah no one's ever going to be ninja i mean Booga could try but he's not going to be ninja. guess what cage Guy named yeah. Tim the Tapman just signed with YouTube yesterday. Today is first stream. He currently has 115,000 viewers. So it's happening. Wow. It's Those amazing. guys who are going to be bigger than I saw sure. that. I saw. I saw that Tim the Tapman. Yeah, he's a myself. and he's he's a little bit of an outlier because he's an outrageously popular streamer. But like, it's yep. happening. I mean, and it's cool. When, stuff, when Giannis really. won the championship, I tuned into his live stream. I think of he had like 200k. Yeah. Of course you well, did. Well, he was going to Chick Fil A. <laughs> Well, no, so because it was an awesome thing. I, I tuned in too, Goldberg. Like I was saying, like, of course, because it was awesome. Right, and that was 200K, so and he's a global. Lou, let me ask dude. you something before we get off that topic and we'll go into the fanatics and stuff like that. Sure. Because we, we, you know, we talk about the national, we talk about that stuff. Um, one of the things you did differently than, than what, I would, what, what we did this year and what I would probably do going forward is you had your own spot. You were anchored to a table a little bit. And I say it that way just to show my bias, right? I mean, this was my first time at the national, and I loved being able to walk around, you know, check in with people, you name it, the whole deal. Um, did you like having a table? Did you like having a spot? Did you like the deal flow that came your way? Would you rather have done a little more walking around? Were you able to get walking around? Would you try to do like a table for a couple of days and then close up shop on one day? And I mean, like, talk mm-hmm. to me about that, right? Because we, we, we've talked to people who have it, you know, who have tables and they're mostly dealers. You, you know, you have your own collection, but you're also, you're, you know, you're a big time content person with a lot of people who wanted to try to keep you in the that. whole deal. Well, you are. Well, but, he, he, had, so, he, he had Rips there, the master negotiator. <laughs> Rips, I need you to sell my cards. I'm going to go. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I wish I could do that. I buy from, I've bought from Rips. I've never, Rips That's never good. sold anything for me. Um, no, I, I think in terms of at a, at a show, it's going to be hard. Like I'll go to a show. Like I, I saw UK to that show in, yep. in, in at Hofstra. Yeah. East I'm, not, National. I'm not, I'm not dying to go to a show where I just walk around in circles. Like I'm just not. So like if I can go to a show, I'd rather have a table um, for multiple reasons. Number one is people come to you with cards and you have the dealer's advantage. The deal flow flow of if you're a, if you're sitting at your table and you're buying from someone who's rolling up in you, you have a massive advantage because you just do and selling because I, it's a, it's a one-stop shop for me to be able to move my, move my stuff that I have that I want to sell. Um, I will say I wouldn't, I'm not going to let you call me a star. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) But an annoying part, not annoying. That's not the right word. I shouldn't say that. A challenge of having a table is when people come up to take a picture and I'm like trying to get a deal done. I, I have to like walk away from the deal because I feel, I feel like I should go up and say what's up to this person. Cause it's more, and I also like the interaction and all stuff. It's more fun, but walking away from deals and getting sidetracked from deals is a downside to having a table. I would say, but overall, I think having a table is better. What's what sold well at the show? What sold well at the show? Um, for me, it was my UFC and um, my F1. <laughs> Honestly, like those are the two things I sold the most. I sold a little bit of basketball. Um, I sold a little. I sold one or two football cards, but for the most part, everything UFC I had that was in a slab 
one like this and anything F1 I had, people were asking me about that I wouldn't sell them or anything I had in this lab that was priced to sell moves really fast. I was walking around trying to find more stuff because I, it was like, all right, cool. I can make money on these. You guys aren't so different. I mean, like, Lou, you like F1? Cage, you were one of the first people buying UFC cards. Yeah. So, so you know what's funny? I still talk to a lot of people in the UFC community, people who I collected with, you know, a decade ago. And you know what they, they say? It, it's funny because, you know, you want to do like a sociology experiment with cards, right? It, it really does bear it out. We are after what a- Andrew likes to say, the, uh, the sexy new toy, but it's really the shiny new object. He, he sure. calls it a sexy toy, which is weird. You know, I don't know what he has in his bedroom with sexy toys, but yeah, I, I don't want to. But he I calls know. it the sexy toys, Lou. You know, I, I mean, it's one it. of this. So, um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll let him have his thing. You know, I mean, if he wants to have sexy toys. That's great, but it's the shiny new object. Is what keep he it means. moving. Keep it He's moving. Like, keep it moving. Keep it moving. Keep it. Please get off this. Get off this topic. So, the guys who I collected um, UFC and MMA stuff with, they say that the the new stuff is flying. Because the Adesanya is flying. You know, your oh, yeah. your Francis Nagano is flying, but the the, the stuff that we all wanted when we were collecting in you know, 09, 10, 11, 12, mm-hmm. the pre-Connor stuff, the Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, the Brock Lesnar, and, and like the what you'd call round one, round two of UFC is not. It's not moving. People don't want it. People say, you know, when I put this – and you know what's funny about it, Lou? It's, it reminds me of Gary's first vintage push when everybody was all on yes. modern, yeah. right? Everybody's all on modern. Go ahead, Andrew. I don't – I mean – I talk a lot. As so soon please, as you I'm, said that, keep going. But as soon, I remember the August 2020 discussion we had in uh, that IG group that you brought up where somebody in the group, they could take ownership or not. I was like, who is this George Mikan? Like if you saw him. Oh, yeah, that's me. Street, I, I'll hold firm <laughs> on that one all day. I thought you were going there. I'm happy to go there and I'm going to do it with UFC right now. Yep, but go ahead. Yep. Keep going. No, but I mean, so what they're saying, of course, is just, you know, nobody wants and it's something nobody wants the you know the 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 stuff that was huge so and and it doesn't surprise yeah. me anymore it used to surprise me right but it doesn't because we, everybody is chasing the stuff everybody's chasing the alpha everybody's chasing the new stuff it really out is. of sight out of mind right yep. and unfortunately part of the ufc and this is part of their growth of, as a sport they've actually done a better job of building the brand of their fighters or the fighters have at least i don't know if ufc has a role in that but like I'm a I'm a fairly casual UFC fan, so I'll tread lightly. But like, I don't like what's Anderson Silva up to. Like, I don't know. He's, well, he's, I think he's like my age now. But that's my point, right? People's chins. That's my point, and it's my point with Mike in, and I'll hold firm on that one. I get that they're expensive, all that stuff. But like, I don't know anyone unless you really like basketball. I don't know anyone my age who cares about George Mike in. I'll ride that train forever. That guy played <laughs> seventy years ago. By the way, an infamous Louism was. If Joe Montana walked up to me and punched me in the face, I wouldn't know it was Joe Montana. I hold firm on that one, too. I have no idea what Joe Montana looks like. <laughs> he actually said that. I was like, oh, man, Joe Montana. Even I, I know it hurts. And by the way, it's going to hurt me one day when someone's like, I wouldn't know Lewis Hamilton if he walked up and punched me in the face. Like, I'd be like, what do you mean? Like, But that's that's what we're talking about. It really is an interesting thing, right? Because the stuff that's hot right now may not be hot in five or ten years. And it and and there are just that select few that will retain that relevance, right? And and it's also an interesting thing to think about with the fringe stuff that we're all doing, right? So basketball, baseball, sure, Mickey Mantle, right? He's 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 gonna carry through, right? Michael Jordan in basketball, LeBron, these guys are gonna carry value generation to generation. They just are, right? But UFC, I mean Anderson Silva 
he was a beast. Like that was a pound for pound, pound for pound. He was Izzy Adesanya on steroids, right? Like he was as good as they get. Like came in and had like you know the middleweight one eighty five king for for a decade. You know what I mean? Just basically was an unstoppable force when he came into the UFC. George St. Pierre, same thing, man. Guy fought wars at the 170 pound weight class division. People don't care. You know, people just do don't. not care. To to do it to make an F1 comparison, all my guys who I've talked to about F1, Double Carvers is a prime example of this. All those guys on our group chat that we have for F1, they are like, why isn't Schumacher getting love? Why doesn't Senna get any love? And it's like, hey man, quite frankly. I don't know anything about that person. I understand they have a lot of championships, but like they're not on television right now as the sport is growing. Of course, the interest is on the guys who are, who are racing right now. Of course it is. And like Andrew said, not yet. Eventually, if F1 continues to grow, they will say, wait, you're telling me the 92 grid Michael Schumacher's available and you can get PSA 10s on a fairly regular basis. Then cool. I'm going to go grab those or Senna. I'm going to go grab him. Like that's just the maturation of any kind of marketing cards. I think. Guys, if you're listening, I would pause right here and go to our episode from last August with Rips. And if you guys go to that episode, he's buying Vintage Cage. I don't know if you remember. It's the famous episode where he puts the Trey Young net that over his uh, over his head. But he talks about if Luca, for example, Prism's 2000, why is Oscar Robertson selling for 500, 600? Why is it selling for a fraction of the price? So last year I would have thought like this too, but as you go through cycles, you don't always know how that cycle plays out, right? It could be a little longer, it could be shorter. They're one documentary, one little bit of media attention away from like a, a 10 part series, how the UFC got started, right? A lot of people don't know that story, but the guys you just mentioned, Silva, uh, George St. Pierre. If they get a Netflix series and it's like a 10 part last dance, but like a UFC version, I think those cards get swooped up and you have a lot of benefit, right? Remember, different there's different investors, but there are investors that are like, well, if these guys are going up, I'm willing to take a bet on, on Schumacher, for example, because he's a fraction of the price and I'm going to hold until there is that media attention. So it's, it's really interesting. I would go back and listen to the Rips episode because he does a great job explaining why and how these cycles and trends happen. We're 30 minutes in. I do want to talk a little bit about fanatics. I, I think you're going to be able to give people a different perspective. What was your you, – Cage, anything else on this topic? Feel free. I just want – Lou doesn't listen to our show, but I want to make sure he knows I gave a Ken Miles play. What? Who's Ken Miles? Oh, Ken come Miles. on. Ken Miles. He drove He drove the Ford. I mean, in Le Mans, he was only in F1. How like one would race. I know who that is, though, Cage? Dude, I just he's supposed, to be a, he's supposed to be a racing guy. Man. I'm not the racing, racing guy. guy. This is what also you what happens. Who, you know, I mean, you, you know, so that's the Ford versus Ferrari guys. movie. Yes, Ford versus Ferrari. Okay. Yeah, man. Now I understand. That. Have you not seen it? You I've seen, seen the movie. I didn't know that was the guy's name. Dude, what a great racing name! It, it was Miles. a great movie. Great Ken movie, by Miles. Do you know Jimmy Fox? No. Jimmy Fox. Baseball player, yeah, home okay. run guy, home run leader. Very how about game. how about how about Nikki Lauda? Nope. Oh my God! All right, so this is, this is I am. There's the... a lesson to be learned here, guys. Lesson to be learned. Lou can be a fan of the sport the way that no, no. <laughs> it's it. true. It. No, no, but, but think about it, right? So you spent five figures on on an F1 card. That's your god, and that's current stuff. This is what's going on now. So you know. 
you can feel comfortable with an investment. You can feel comfortable in the in the um, you know in the investment strategy, in the in the rationale and reasoning behind investing what you're investing in, without being totally immersed in the history and the last hundred years of the sport and everybody who's ever sat you know sat down behind a, a steering wheel. So a hundred percent. And it goes both ways, right? Like there's advantages to knowing what you know. Like you are a hundred percent ahead of me on Mickey Lauda. That's what you said. Like Mickey no, Lauda. you are. Right, Dude, you're you know where a, I get these. These are just race. These race movies. That's Ford versus Ferrari, and the other one was Rush, where it's Hunt versus. Oh, that's Loudon. the the Thor movie, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but no, Thor. but so <laughs> the Thor, he's got a hammer in the race car, <laughs> and a little helmet. No, it's not the, Thor. It's the guy. Yeah, the actor. But it is Thor. Thor. <laughs> it's the guy who plays Thor. Okay. Yeah. The point I wanted to make at, right there, off of what you said, was like. I also think there's this whole energy, and I always get talking about this stuff because these people annoy me. I hate. <laughs> People who just like, if you don't know every detail of everything, people freak out. And it's like, hey guys, unfortunately, it just doesn't interest me to like spend all my time reading about stats and like comparisons. And an uncomfortable truth about cards is that most things are narrative driven in cards, right? So, like, if just because I say something and it doesn't necessarily hold water, I can, I feel pretty confident saying it's like the prevailing sentiment of a, a, against a thing, right? Like, and just because you know the stats and you know the sport better and ball, and there's a lot of people who know sports who get into cards and they're like, wait, why is this not happening? Like, why is this guy not popping off? Why is this one not popping off? Narratives drive cards. And just because I don't know every detail or cage doesn't know every detail or Goldberg doesn't know every detail of, a, of an individual thing doesn't mean it's not the right decision. And we shouldn't be talking. That's a little silly to me. One, one of my favorite books is uh, the alchemist. And they talk about this concept called beginner's luck. Mm-hmm. But really, if if you kind of rephrase it, it's like looking at things with a fresh eye. Yep. And how much of an advantage it actually is on things. Uh, That's interesting. So. It, yeah, it, 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 the fresh eyes matters. And it's and Cage was the one who was telling uh, Gary and me being like, does this one's more interesting? Like this card's better. Cage was a early guy being like, why don't you buy any silvers? Blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like, cause I just don't know what that is. So like, why would I, like, I can't spend money on things I don't understand. And yeah, in the same way, like beginner's luck, fresh eyes, all that stuff is an advantage. I would argue. Yep. Bombshell news was dropped. I think it was like second week of August. Fanatics, the licenses were first it was MLB. And then we heard NBA, NFL players association. It was released in such a way where it was, a little bit of truth with a lot of rumor around it, right? Mm-hmm. Because some of the deals weren't locked up yet. Sure. Uh, what was your re- what was your reaction to all that? Um, I'm going to open my answer with: I do know Josh. We've spoken periodically. I don't know him the most well, but just to fully couch my answer, I Josh, we're talking about Josh Luber now. Josh Luber, you yes. and he get manicures at the same place. That's exactly right. Color. Yep, exactly right. Yeah. And he is no, the rumored. Okay rumored guy who was going to be leading the fanatics charge. Um, I felt good about it off the rip, right? I thought that it makes sense. It's an inevitable shift. These companies and I know guys at tops. I know guys and girls at Panini, like all great people, all that stuff. These companies have been around for a long time and there hasn't been a whole lot of innovation in the space, frankly, right? Like tops been putting out the same products every year for 70 years, right? And Bowman comes out and all that stuff. And I love it. Panini, same cards come out. People complain about the releases. There's always an issue with the release. The prices are too high. You can't get them, blah, blah, blah. So to me, again, going back to the fresh eyes thing, I thought it was prime for someone to come in 
and change the perspective of the whole thing, change the production, change all of that stuff, change the infrastructure of how things get bought and sold, where people get boxes from, all that stuff was going to be remade. It just so happens that it seems like it's going to be an all-in-one solution where Fanatics comes in, gets all the licenses, signs deals with the league, so they are now invested in the outcome of that stuff. And people love to complain that the players don't sign things. They put bad out autographs on it. They don't care about the cards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now they have a vested interest. So that's a positive. I'd, I'd mark that as a positive. Um, so my initial reaction was very positive. We talked about it on our Instagram live. Um, it's also very, very new. We don't know what's going to happen in three years. Is Tops going to get sold? Is Panini going to get sold? Is Fanatics going to just start up a whole new brand from the ground and figure out the distribution, all that stuff? Are they going to use the existing networks? Um, since then I've heard perspectives from different people, Ryan being one of them, uh, as he spoke about on our, on our Instagram live of like, I don't know what this means for me. I've spent years building up relationships with my distributors, relationships with people. Like all that stuff is a factor for people like Ryan who owns, who owns a shop. Breakers are obviously a part of that equation now as well. Um, and I said to Ryan and I'll say here for anyone who's listening, unfortunately tough cookies. You got to make it. You got to make a change, and that's part of business, and that's part of the growth of your business. Same, it, it actually ties back to the P- PSA thing from way back when, when it shut down and they raised their prices. Everyone's like, "They're pigs. They're greedy. They're taking too much money." Hey, man, you don't get to just have a money tree in your backyard forever and change nothing, and nothing adjusts, and you don't have to do anything. You just get to keep printing money. That's not how business works in this country or in the world. So, um. It was an inevitable change. I think the people who embrace change will do well. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, because I do see a downside, I understand the downside for people who are just like, I just want to like open my cars. I want to have cheap, I don't want to have super expensive rips. And there's shop owners, there's a guy, I don't, Cage, you don't know the area very well, but there was a, there was a shop in Bogota that I used to go to every week. That guy is not on Twitter and Instagram figuring out how to build his business, right? Yep. Hopefully things don't change too much for those guys and girls. Things don't change too much for the collectors who just want to rip cheap cards and just have a PC and all that stuff. I hope things don't get too too disrupted and permanently damaged for them. But it's an unfortunate reality of a growing industry. I love the answer, by the way. I love it because it really is, you know, like it's going to shake it up. Whatever happens, whatever happens with Tops, whatever happens with Panini, whatever happens, it's going to shake it up. And, you know, not to get too philosophical, because I already used that whole when they come for me, when they come for you, when they come for this person, I said nothing, right? I remember, and it's great you went to PSA, right? I remember when PSA shut down and your money trade, right? Your group subbers. I remember we talked about that. Like, I was one of the first ones to be like, oh, PSA, screwing over those group subbers that they just signed deals with. They just made them jump through all these hoops to become group subbers and the whole deal. And... Um, everybody else was like, well, it's their fault. You know, they don't get to have a money tree. They don't just get to, you know, to, to be the guys who you know, submit. You, you, your, your business shouldn't be dependent on one person that's out there, right? You shouldn't be so dependent on that one PSA. And the better the better subs, the better submission people, they, they, they started sending to CSG. They started sending to other places. They became group subbers to, to, to other locations. I guess, well, who knows what's going to happen, but brick and mortars, they're going to have to change. You know, the, will they be distributors? Will they not be distributors? I mean, what's going to happen with breakers? I guess the best ones are going to be the ones that figure out a way to kind of roll with the punches. It's not necessarily going to change, right? Because there's a world, I guess there's a world where Fanatics takes their existing infrastructure and just because they are the largest 
they are the largest distributor of like e-commerce for sports memorabilia and and merch, right? Like they, are, I think they're like valued at like thirteen billion dollars. I mean, like they're a huge business, so they have the infrastructure already, right? How much does that change the current infrastructure is a question, or do they start from scratch and say, hey, from now on, if you want to buy cards, you are in the same. I'm in the same line as Ryan Johnson, who owns Car Collector Two Sports Card Shop. We are competing together. The way, it's not like that right now. Right now, everything goes through a distributor, and you have to have a connection with your distributor, and you have to play nice with your distributor. I know how all that stuff works. My dad worked in the liquor industry for a long time. Right. I know how it works when you have a distributor, and you have to buy a certain amount of product to get what you want to get, and blah, 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 blah. So if that changed, I would argue that's a net positive for the hobby at large, right? Again, I'm speaking – speculation we have no idea what's going to happen between now and 2026 do they change that do they say hey we're going to start putting cards in models is that even a store anymore models yeah. uh, <laughs> used things. to have cards i know but yeah, do, they, yeah. they, do they go back to that and they focus on the regular brick and mortar do they really double down on target retail do they say we're no longer releasing hobby only products there will be a main product that comes out i don't know what they would name it and it's available to everyone at every single time do they keep the distributor model? Like there's so many different variables that can happen in the next few years. It's going to be interesting. Do you think, how do you think they're going to roll it out? Right. Cause they have time and their purpose of kind of being a little bit coy because maybe they don't know themselves what they're going to do. And they're going to figure it out probably before 2023 went with baseball, 2025 with NBA. Do you think, do you expect to see more announcements from them? Do you think they're going to be kind of, you know, yeah. keeping their projects under the wraps? You haven't heard much since they've made that announcement. They don't even have like really a spokesperson well, right now. Speaking from an outsider perspective, it seemed like that story came out before they were ready, and then they had to adjust. That's that was my feel. Like it got report. I think it was Ravel reported at first, right? Ravel reports everything first, man. He's the king right. Of I think hobby. it what got leaked out through there, and then I think it kind of snowballed, and they had to react accordingly. I don't know. Again, right? Like I have no idea, but I would imagine that. There will be announcements. There will be if it, it would make sense that they would try to buy those other brands, right? Like there's no reason to just completely kill the brand loyalty that Tops and Bowman and Panini and all that has. What's interesting is if they do buy that, they now also have if they buy the companies outright, they now have soccer, UFC, F it gets really weird if they have every sport. Or do they license? Do they just license the 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 brand of Panini Prism for basketball? It's interesting. So today, Cage, did you see the the little press release that came out today? I think it was on Sports Card uh, Cardboard Connection. I can't remember exactly. Uh, grading. They want to bring grading under one roof. And I always thought that BGS might be that last domino to fall. What do you What do you guys think? How are they going to do grading? Is it going to be? Are they going to be buying one of these companies? They're going to do it in house. It's a good question, Cage. No clue. I mean, today was the first time they announced it, right? I mean, it's funny because. You could tell the collector's universe guys wanted to get everything under, you know, one umbrella also, right? And they wanted to, you know, have auctions and grading and, and you know, storage of stuff and, and, and you know, do all their other fun stuff. Obviously, everybody else has the same idea, right? There is this one-stop shop model that makes sense, right? To be able to offer the consumer, a, here you go. You got all under one roof. I don't know how they'll do it. And, I mean, listen, they do have a lot of time with it, right? Could it be something as simple as what Lou is saying? They're going to buy Tops. They're going to buy Panini. They're going to have it all. They're going to have all the licenses, all the sports, and then go buy Beckett? Sure. I mean, it's very possible. 
Are they no. going to buy Beckett? Are they going to buy SGC? I think that Ruben is an inv- was part of the investor group into CSG in July. Yep. Someone can check. He, he's he's connected to that. He might not be like his money, but you know how. Yeah, the, the investor money group, trees. all yeah. that stuff. Um, yeah. So could it be? It could be CSG that they use as their partner, and then also like logistically, how does that work? Do you rip a card and do you rip a card digitally? Because here's another thing, right? Like the digitization of everything is going to be interesting. Are you going to have a? Are they going to have Fanatic sponsored breakers? So are they going to have Goldberg rips on the Fanatics app, ripping cards. You rip a pack of 2025 NFL Prism, and you get the card you want. And then they have a discounted rate to submit with them, and that's how you that's how they get their submissions up, and you get into their service, into their ecosystem. And then when you get the card back, you list it on the Fanatics marketplace, and you sell your cards on Fanatics. There's a serious all-in-one solution that could happen. That's really crazy to think about. I'll give you one one step further, Lou. They could really arbitrage digital on it, and the way the way I, I would say to do it is, I mean, look, who knows how long it's going to take to grade things? They'll have the different grading, but think think of this universe, right? A fanatic breaker, Goldberg's breaks is breaking cards. He breaks your card, you get a, I don't know, um, Kate Cunningham, Kate Cunningham, you know, uh, Frism, fanatics Prism. I'm going to call it Frism. Okay, a Frism, Frism Frilver. Right, because you got to have the fanatics in it. It can't be a prism silver. It's a frism frilver. It's right? really light so, branding, just enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just enough. Just enough. It's frism frilver, and you got the Kate Cunningham frism frilver, and um, you're gonna pay the discounted rate to go get it graded. But while it's grading, while it's grading, we're giving you a digital version of it, mm-hmm. right? And it's gonna be on the fanatics NFT site. And not only can you sell the NFT, but while the grade is pending. You can sell it with kind of an arbitrage of, you know, sell it. If it comes back at 10, it's this price. If it comes back at 9, it's this price. And you're able to liquidate that asset before the grade even comes back, sort of like almost option contracts. Well, what if it's like NFT minting where you buy a, a NFT before the, mint, before the mint reveal happens? It's the same thing. You have a card. You're waiting for the reveal. And then when the reveal happens, it dictates the value based on the rarity. Same thing. So look, I mean, we've seen Tyler's Tyler's big into NFTs. I don't think Ryan is that big into them, and I think you kind of sit in between, right? Like I think you you typically you that's usually how it goes. Okay, <laughs> where are you? And I think we need to draw a distinction. NFT and digital cards are not the same thing. Completely different. Uh, yep. Completely different. Where do you stand? Like, what do you what do you think about them? Do you collect them? Have you gotten into it at all? Um. So. You know, Tyler told his story this week on the podcast of when he sold his ape for like seven ETH or whatever. I got offered two apes for two ETH and I turned it down. It's probably one of the great regrets of my life. I think about it all the time. Um, But NFTs at large, I think I'm not smart enough to understand it. That's kind of where I'm where I'm starting to to come down is like I can't figure out because there's one side of it where there's a lot of FOMO chasing and everything's getting crazy. Everything that mints, yeah. you make money on. You could mint something for 0.08 ETH and you sell it for one ETH, uh, 0.1 ETH in like two seconds and you make money every single time, right? That's the same thing that happens with cards. Same thing, any kind of gold rush. So there's one end of that. I have no interest in just chasing minting all day. I don't have the money for that. All that stuff, right? That's one end. The other end of it is the projects that are going to matter. The the board, the board apes, the crypto punks, um, the V friends. Shout out to Gary Vaynerchuk, my boss. Um, the projects that are actually going to matter um i can't rationalize 
how the the price tied to the brand building and like the IP building that happens. It's hard for me to rationalize when the prices are all the way up here and the IP is like still here because it just got born, right? So that's where I'm having trouble picking which projects I think have actual value to spend my money on. So that's kind of where I'm landing. Overarching, I think it's, again, another inevitable shift uh, of the growth of the internet and just the digitization of everyone's life is people are going to want to collect digital assets, digital collectibles, JPEGs, everyone calls them, all that stuff. Um, But where I land is I think I'm not smart enough to pick horses in that race. I don't know if that answers your question or if I'm dumb for saying that, but that's how I feel. Well, it's so new, right? It's, it's, it's hard to even know what to look for. So, I mean, cage could jump in here, but we always look for art, discord community, developer team are the three main ones. If, if people out there are listening, right, we always try to add value with our conversations. So since we brought up the topic of NFTs and evaluating them, art, community on discord how engaged they are and the developer team do they know what right the roadmap gary has a great thing out there and, and i will be the first one to tell you i was dead wrong about v friends and here's the reason why he says it also he same says, he says he says it's jockey over horse a lot of people bet the horse but in nfts you gotta bet the jockey so that's what andrew's talking about with the development team right it, and lou i'm not going to convince you to do this right i'm not going to convince you about nfts but think about it the way you think about your f1 stuff Right. Think about it. It's the potential. Think about the promise of it. Right. And you're right about the IP versus price. Right. But really what you got to look at is it's the same reason why last year Giannis cards were selling for, you know, as much as they were or why Lucas cards are selling for what they are, even though he hasn't done anything yet. Right. There's all that potential energy that people are expecting turn into kinetic energy. It's the promise. It's the potential. It's what's there. And on on board apes, the reason why you know those things went up, and I know that's a great example, it's an easy example, is because sure. you know of all the things that are rolled out, right? The kennel club, the mutants, all the roadmap that they have. And I think really, if you if you find a project, the reason why they're all there is is I'm looking like gutter cats, for example, right? With the roadmap that's on there, with the the comic, with legitimate artists, the additional rollouts, the you know the 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 gifts basically that they're that they're they're sending out to the members, and then the community itself. And the amount of people who are in it out of that 10,000, you know, that there's 5,000 people in it, you, most people only own one, same as Bored Apes, right? So it's tough to get that out of their hands, tough to pry it out of their hands. And, and there's, you know, value to it, value in the community of the whole nine yards. Again, I won't, I won't um, probably be able to convince you to do it, but if you think about it like the same way as your, your cards, right? There's, yeah. a little bit of, there's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of momentum behind it, a little bit of a reason for it. It's, it's an interesting thing, right? And, and, I like it because it takes a lot of the headaches that we found with cards out. Who knows how long it lasts? And you, you, you might have just you know hit the nail on the head with comparison because we just had Josh from Cardboard Chronicles on, and he said, "Long gone are the times where you could just print money with grading. It used to be a situation where you could buy any shiny card, yeah. send it to PSA, get it back in a couple of weeks, and you were selling it for three times your money." And you just said, hey, well, let's mint something at 0.02 and sell it the next week for 1 or 0.1 or whatever the heck it's going to be, right? That gravy train sometimes stops, and usually it's when the supply is going to stop. And, yeah. So that, I mean, that's the interesting you know, part of it. And you know, Gary's saying of it's jockey over horse, you know, these projects, you can't just throw out a project that's a smiling bear 
or a smiling, you know, acorn or, you know, uh, a rabid rabbit or whatever. They, I don't want to call out a specific one. I don't know. There might be a rabid rabbit. I have no idea. I just kind of came up with that. If there is, sorry, guys. I'm just saying, you know, you know they're 20. It's got to be something. Yeah, it's got to be something more than the, the that. It's got to be what they're doing with it. You know, how you can, you know, are they going to make a cartoon? Is this the one that's going to be on Netflix one day where your character is actually worth something because they're making a that's cartoon cool. out of the Bored Apes or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, that's the that's the interesting part. That's what people are, are – are, that potential for that is out there. The issue, and I want to hear if Lou agrees with this, is in NFTs I've seen the the – you might have a good jockey, an athlete, a professional, someone that everyone knows with, with real brand equity, but he doesn't or she doesn't know how to run the project, right? So their horse is so weak. Or you have a really good project, but you don't know anything about this developer team, right? Like Lewis Hamilton's not going anywhere. He's under contract. But you don't know the developer team. You don't know who the jockey is in this, right? You could, you could read some things on the online, but you don't know them. Yeah, I think – and. I don't think I need to be convinced, right? Because I think globally I understand it and like macro I understand it and I could see it. I, and I think this is where it goes back to where I think I'm just kind of dumb. I can't figure out what makes – we're going to use two successful ones. Uh, what I can't figure out what makes cool cats different from uh, koalas, which I have one of, right? Like I can't – I don't know what the difference is of those two things. So I'm just having trouble with that. And maybe it just is – research it's just the basic shit like we just talked about um but i haven't been able to get there yet and that's what gives me trepidation so if i could give you a boat of confidence here we start so cage is big time into nfts if you just backtrack at the beginning of this year he was yelling at me on a bro Namath episode about i'm not explaining bitcoin like a, he's a second grader i need to explain it to him like he's a one-year-old so yeah, at i didn't the beginning understand, of year, he didn't understand bitcoin and ether no crypto, no no NFTs. I don't know any of that stuff. I I mean, I still don't know much about it. There's so much more to learn. It's like tip of the iceberg. It's very tip of the iceberg. PWCC eBay. Give us your thoughts on that, man. You 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 probably know more than we do on that situation. Yep. And I will. I don't. I hold on. I don't know anything more than you know. Number one. Number one. Number two. I will again couch everything with ebay is a sponsor of our show right. at the same time i know jesse i know brock i know a lot of people who work at pwcc so I'm, i have both sides of the coin that i can be uh shilling towards if everyone anyone wants to ask um my least favorite it, word of the year by the way sh- it's favorite. the most but i like the way just, lou says it both sides of the coin you can shilling you know a shilling is actually a monetary monetary issue it actually is a coin so both sides of the shilling and in, i like it Sidebar on the NFT thing, a funny thing about differences between NFTs and cards, shilling is borderline encouraged. In it encouraged. It's like a thing to, yeah. to pump and all that. It's like a th- which is a whole other part issue I have with it because I can never tell what's actual interest versus shilling and pump interest. Anyway, um, the EW, eBay PWCC thing. Um, I, quite frankly, I don't have a lot of information. I have the exact same amount that you guys have. Um, I would guess that they have to have ebay has to have something that they are basing their their ban off of right i would guess again i don't know anything i actually feel weird saying it right now because i don't know anything but it's unfortunate it's interesting to see pwcc really blow out their own platform 
Um, they were obviously working on that premiere auction and all that stuff. And they now have their vault live on their own website, I think as of today or yesterday I saw. Yep. Um, so that's interesting. And I think it's another, the other angle of this is that it's another part of the gold rush of cards, right? Like auction houses want to have their own start to finish process and they want to own the lion's share of the fees and all that stuff. So that's part of it too. So. Any businesses you're excited about? Like I think, I, you know, last year I always say is it was the year of cards going boom. This, this year has kind of been the year where we see a lot of new startups, a lot of new businesses, new entre- new young entrepreneurs in the, in the space. Anyone excite you? Anyone you're like, this is kind of cool what they're doing? Um, there's a lot. I think I think what's happening with I, – I, int- I was very, very interested to see what you guys were doing, trying to build out your network of like different content creators. And I, saw, like, I know I'm in the F1 group. I'm sure there's groups for other things. That's all brand. That's all stuff that's very interesting to me. Um, Aaron and Slab Stocks are finally starting to get their thing rolling a lot more with Slab Stocks Pro and they're doing yep. events at the national, all that stuff. I think what I'm the thing that I'm looking forward to seeing the most is what happens a year from today. Because we obviously had um 2018, 2019 was the initial boom. There was a little bit of a cool down, COVID happens, everything goes crazy again. Um there's been a little bit of a reset now. I'm interested to see what happens in a world where now, what did you what did you say the card entries can be valued at? 97 billion. They're forecasting that. Is that what you said? That's what they 90, said in the press. Yeah, like a 97 billion dollar forecast is outrageously big. So I have no idea what that entails. Like, right. is that a lot more card releases? Does that lead to the secondary market going down because there's a mass influx of of product which i know everyone's always afraid of while also wanting cheap cards so that's interesting but people want that um and uh i'm interested to see what happens a year from today in the secondary market the secondary market is what drives the interest in this thing quite frankly for for the masses um so i'm interested to see what happens in a world where and the other part of it is like i said sgc is doing very very well BGS is stagnant. We'll see what happens. PSA is shut down. They're changing all of their processes. All of that stuff is going to lead to a lot of changes for guys like us three when we're buying and selling. So I'm really interested to see what happens. Cage, unless you've got anything else, we always try to keep these. Obviously, we could talk for hours. We could talk yep. about digital cards, NFTs, grading companies, businesses. Uh, actually, card talk. Sure. You, you guys have been doing this for a year. First of all, yep. you have a interesting duo right like three people's the like two people's hard three people's not easy coordinating for uh, those guys giving easy. everyone air time they're the three best friends that anybody it's true we are very good friends now they were one they're like a lone wolf and then there were three 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 wolves in the desert <laughs> Andrew, do you have any idea what movie yeah that's the hangar i like that movie i like right, funny great movies. movie i love it Cage, you oftentimes quote movies that I don't like, they don't fit my agenda, but like funny movies, I love comedies. Everyone loves so the to laugh. hangover. The hangover fits your agenda. Good to know. Yeah, I like to laugh. Everyone likes to laugh. <laughs> you like two questions about Well done. <laughs> I didn't say that. You said that. <laughs> uh, two questions, right? Like in 2019, who wins in a You fight? were grading cards with Gary. You were kind of like, or Ryan. You were, you were doing the operations okay. of cards. And then you, t- you became a content creator, right? You had to share your voice. So talk yep. to me about what you learned from this last year of doing the podcast. Uh, and, and then talk to me about like what the future holds for Card Talk. Like any cool things you have going on, things like that. So I'm not sure. This might have been after Andrew joined Vayner. But early on in my much closer to Gary life, I wanted no part of a camera near me. It made me very, very nervous. We used to argue about podcasting. 
I didn't want to be on. Yep. I wanted no part of a podcast. I wanted none of that. All that stuff freaked me out. It was too much exposure. It's also like too much exposure. I'm an idiot. We have like 20,000. Like it's not that big of a deal, but I used to get super, super nervous about all that stuff. And honestly, I think I was just bored at home and me and Tyler were like, Hey, let's just do a podcast. Like we should just do a cards podcast. It'll be fun. Who should we get? First person we thought of was Ryan. He is an outrageously smart human. He's one of the first people I talked to along with cage in cards. Very, very smart person runs a business, which is not easy. Runs a card shop on his own. Well, he has employees now. Um, and I was super excited to have him. So we kind of got rolling and we kind of just started three people is very, it's an interesting dynamic where like, cause we all have things we want to say, right? Even just now I find my, I am so bad. Like I always want to jump in. I'm working on that. Um, but, uh, it's fun. We had, we did guests for a while. We've tampered down the guests now because four people on a, on a stream is a lot harder than three, which is even a lot harder than two. Um, but it's been fun and like, we're doing our thing and Ryan's, amazing and he brings so much knowledge to me and tyler that we just would never know because he has so much history and built in uh built in knowledge of the of the whole thing so i like to think of it as our dynamic works as ryan is the smart one tyler is the one with a big picture and i can the handsome one no i'm the ugliest person on the show by far (laughs) um but, but uh but uh, I'm the one who can bounce questions. I can ask the stupid questions. I can bounce the stupid questions off of those guys. Mostly, yeah, mostly bouncing stupid questions. And I have some thoughts of my own as well. But uh, it's fun. Ryan's married. You have a girlfriend that apparently Disney World, Disneyland. Tyler is just playing soccer and watching Marcus Rashford on menu. So you guys be the judge out there. Tyler's also dominating in many aspects of life, much more than I am. So it's kind of a pick your side kind of thing what's going on what's up for anything new with card talk uh moving forward i know you guys have grown you have an awesome sponsor what, what's new what's like what's I, the you know i said i've said this for months now i really want to start doing standalone videos of like focusing on one thing because i rightfully so kate is like why are you, what do you care about f1 for i want to do a deep dive on f1 i want to do a I want Tyler to do a deep dive on Harry Potter collectibles. I want Ryan to do a deep dive on college college collectibles and why they're interesting and what make and why does he like them. Um, I think there's so many different aspects to cards. Um, there's so many different aspects to the hobby that people enjoy, whether it's college stuff, whether it's jerseys or whatever. Like you know what I mean? There's so many different angles. I want to explore all of that and just showcase why we all love cards so much. You know, I think we have an opportunity to do that. So I would like to be able to do that more. Have them do the Potter one, man. I was in Universal Studios last week with my family, and like their line wraps around the corner for people to spend one hundred and twenty-five dollars on a wand. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't get it. I don't love Harry Potter, but by the way, if there was an Avengers one, I'd be locked in. So, like, if I ever get to Disneyland, I'm spending all day there. So, it's that's it, right? Like, I think the fun thing about cards and collectibles is that it's pretty much just an extension of things we already enjoy, and so being able to really showcase that and really get super nerdy and weird about all that stuff and share opinions. Like I have come to realize I have very different opinions than Ryan, right? Like we are on the opposite ends of a lot of spectrums. Um, and having someone to bounce that stuff off of is fun in a world where, especially in the world of the last two years of like, you're kind of just locked in your apartment all day. And if you're not married with kids like cages, uh, you know, it's, it's just you. So <laughs> being able to talk to other people about stuff is fun. Listen, every once in a while, I wanted to be just be 
So more often than not, actually, (laughs) more often than not. So enjoy that. Enjoy that while you can. I get it. No, but I mean, listen, the show is great, Uh, guys. You know, if you if you have, you know, two hours, you listen to us, and then you can spend the extra hour listening to these guys. It's you know, it's you know, I wouldn't tell you to listen to them over us, but you know, it's a it's a you know, they're close. They're close. It's like one A, one B. You know, it's like Giannis and Middleton. Right. I, yeah. So how I think of it is like when you go to a comedy show, like you watch the opener, which would be Lucas Tigers and Bronze, and then you watch the main event of Car Talk, you know, and you kind of take it from there. It's true. I'm I mean, with that. Was, we're opening every day, though. We open every night. Main event, cost election, you know what I mean? There's a reason why tapas bars have opened up all over the world, <laughs> right? There's a reason why the appetizer has become the meal. It happens, That's friend. a good it point. Happens. You're so it right. It so, so, no, but dude, listen, I appreciate you coming on. We've now had the, the unholy triumvirate of all three of you guys on yep. uh, to, you know, the chat with us. It took us way too long to have you on, Lou. You know I love you. Um, love you and, uh, you know, thanks for doing all the stuff you do for the hobby, man. I mean, it's great that we have, you know, all the content. Did that just out cut out right there at the end for the first time? The what cut out? So sometimes Cage's video cuts out when someone's making uh, popcorn in the microwave. Lou, did you see it cut out? I did not. Oh, me neither. It was on me. Sorry. Must be that Philadelphia Wi-Fi. You know, they're good with cream cheese, not so good with quarterbacks so- and wide receivers. With most other things. Dude, know. we have Gardner Minshew now. That's your guy. <laughs> I love Gardner, but they're not going to give him a chance to start. You know, you, you don't do, think so? You make good bread and cheese whiz with meat. Like you, you, you can combine cheese with good bread and meat. That, that roast Philly's pork got even that better down. though. Roast pork is good. Pork. Cheese that comes out of a can that can be stored for a hundred years it kind of weirds me out. It's delicious though. It is. It is fantastic. <laughs> I'll take canned cheese, spray cheese, whatever kind of cheese it is. I'll take it. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right, man. Well, listen. We, we I want to watch it, that. I want to watch the F1 video. So don't sleep on that. Get that. Get uh, that going. We're gonna. We're gonna make it happen. We're gonna make it happen. Thank you, guys. If you're watching here on YouTube, I'll say it out loud. It's card flipping at card flipping. That's Lou's uh, sports card page, right? So that's where you do most of your, you show off your collection, buying, selling goes through the card flipping page. Yep. Appreciate you, man. This was fun. Appreciate you, boys. This episode of Lucas Tigers and Bronze was brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. Take it from someone who has personally submitted thousands of cards for grading. HGA slabs just hit different. They're top of the line and color-coordinated to match the card itself. The aesthetics are unrivaled in the industry. When paired with the ease of submission and the transparency of the pricing model, HGA stands alone as the best choice for grading your cards. I believe that once you try them out, you will agree. Thanks for listening, Luca Nation. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Luca's Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe, Ah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.